Also forgot to announce, there's, I guess, a new engagement, which is great. Where are you, Alice? Is Alice? And then Tyler, yeah, so good. Well done, guys. Yeah, so exciting and well done. Was it good? Do you want to come up and tell us how it went down? No, just, no, just, no, just you don't have to do that. You're like, no, I'm leaving. Cool. Exciting times. This is great. Double wedding, eh? Holy. Sister wives. Sister wives. So we're... I feel like we're in Utah or something. It's amazing. Um, so good. So last few weeks we've been in a teaching series. Uh, so well, actually from the beginning of the year. So we start, what do we start talking about at the beginning of the year? Money. Thank you. Money, work, sexuality, and the body. That's our trajectory over these few months leading into the Easter season. The last few weeks we've been talking about work and just how important this is. The idea of work in the Christian scriptures, but especially from, um, by the way, Jesse, Jesse and Kristen are here too from Alberta, which is good. There's so much on my mind. There's, I'm, it's great. Trying to talk about Jesus and there's a million, my brain is firing. So anybody else got anything cool happening? You want to get out of the way? This is great. Okay. Um, you know, we've been talking about just the importance of work and the beauty of the call, the, the garden narrative that work is good. Just like humans and the creation project is good, so is work. And just like the, the brokenness that enters the world in humans and the creation project, work is also broken as well. But it's still good. There's a sense that we lean into the reality that we have Genesis 1 and 2 before us Again, not just to quibble about the age of the earth. That's actually not the point. I mean, if you want to do that, go ahead. The bigger point is the function of what God wants to do in his good creation. And work is a huge part of this. And so with proto-human, Adam and Eve in the garden, there was a job description. Not just like, hey, bow down and worship me or create church services to just like worship me the whole day, but actually a sense of like your worship, abad is the word, um, to dress the garden was this primary act of worship. And so this is massive. This, is this idea is huge because, again, what we've done at times in the church is said, okay, we do churchy stuff, and I'm all for actually churchy things if it's like the gathering together. But oftentimes we leave you, I feel like, at what is like my purpose in the world? Does what I do nine to five actually matter? And the answer to that is yes. We are deeply called to dress the world, even though there's brokenness, even though there's really bad jobs out there, though there's toil and pain in work, obviously, these are re realities in the world that we live, but also the great call for us to worship, and the primary way we worship is in all of life, and work is a big part of that. Now what I want to do is kind of wind down over the next couple weeks, but specifically this week, and talk about vocation and the importance of vocation. Now, I, there is a little bit of pushback on this, and what I've taught on vocation in the past, there's a bit of pushback, because people will often say, well, is this really like a biblical idea? this idea of vocation. If you don't know, the word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. Uh, really, the word vocation is calling. I think, and I know I'm biased because I'm sitting up here with a Britney Spears mic on, that I get to like mold your minds, but I do think, though this word may not be used from Genesis to Revelation, um, it is an important concept out of the outflow of work. 
I really believe there's something here when we talk about calling and its connection to our work. So if you want to join me, open up to Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to be. And we're going to take a bit of time and we'll talk about this idea of vocation and what it means for us as a community. I love Mark chapter 1. It's the picture of Jesus getting kind of on the scene. The writer Mark, who's a Roman, is just trying to give us this picture that the Messiah has come. And in that is a call to repentance and his kingdom is coming and the beautiful way in which this is all coming together. If you read actually and flip down to verse 14 of Mark chapter 1, this is what it says. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to the Galilee proclaiming the euangelion, the good news of God. He said this, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now, you've heard me say this before, fascinating that before there was ever a Messiah death, a Messiah burial, a Messiah resurrection, what was Jesus doing? He was proclaiming what? The gospel. So certainly death, burial, and resurrection later on would become the central part of that, but the gospel is this great call that the kingdom has come near. Um, He goes to Capernaum. He's healing people, the picture we get is. He's driving out demons. Whoa, what is going on? This ministry is unfolding, and you can just sense it in Mark's writing that the disciples are here, and you can sense on the lips of the disciples that they are thinking, this is amazing, right? This is what we have waited for. And I can imagine the disciples like following Jesus and seeing this unfold and many of them giving their, obviously their lives, their entire, remember Peter, like he was in a a lucrative fishing business. He He would have been easily making money to support himself and his family. They've given everything up and they're following the Messiah and it's happening And I just sense that they're probably thinking, let's build this thing up, baby. Let's go. Let's do this. Then you flip down down to verse 35. The story continues. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Fascinating how Jesus always spent time with the Father early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, listen to what they exclaimed. So they're looking for Jesus. It's building up. Everything's happening. What do they say? Everyone is what? What does it say in your text? Looking for you, Jesus. Come on, man. Get with it. I mean, we got the megachurch to build here, right? I can just imagine the disciples are like, we need to stay here. We need to set up shop. You know, James, you do the website. (laughs) Peter, you got kids ministry. Right? And we are going to take over the world. But listen to verse 38. Jesus replied, what? Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages. Listen to what he says. So I can preach there also. This is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So the disciples are ramping up. This is it, man. Hey, at least, you know, I gave stuff up. At least, you know, there's going to be a little bit of kickback. You know what I'm saying? This is going to be good. And Jesus says, no. The Savior of the world, the King of the universe, says no. He says, no, no, no. I've come for a purpose to preach, and this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to go and I'm going to do this throughout Galilee. 
I don't think it's far-reaching to see here that one of the things we can draw out from here is that Jesus knew exactly what he was called to do, and in return, he knew exactly what he was called not to do. Jesus knew exactly what he was called to do, and in return, with that came the reality, he knew what he was not to do. Now again, the word vocation is not found in the Bible. You're not going to find it in Scripture and verse. But just like Jesus, I really believe that every single one of us in this room, when we talk about work, need to work towards discovering why you and I are here and enter into our vocations. Um, Again, if the king of the universe can say no to certain things to understand why he was put on the planet... I do believe that you and I really need to search, and it's, listen, we're going to talk this morning, we're going to be pretty open. It's not always easy. There's a search sometimes involved around each of our callings in this room, but really I think the call of the Christian life is to move towards something. Parker Palmer, who's a mystic and a Quaker, uh, w- wonderful writer. I think he puts it best. Now, I don't agree with everything that Parker says. All, uh, Parker Palmer says all the time. I'm not as maybe mystical as he is. Um, but he says this, and I think this is very important in getting a grasp on the idea of vocation. He says, the word vocation itself is rooted in the Latin for voice. Vocation does not mean a goal that I pursue. It means a calling that I bear. Before, he says this, and just open up your mind here. Before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. I must listen for the truths and the values at the heart of my own identity, not the standards by which I must live, but the standards by which I cannot help but live if I am living my own life. He goes on to say, Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, before you do that, listen for what it intends to do with you. Before you tell your life what truths and values you have decided to live up to, let your life tell you what truths you embody, what values you represent. I love that. You know, sometimes we're on a, you know, like the the deep quest and I think what Parker Palmer is saying is part of what we could actually do is open up our minds and imaginations and maybe where I'm a little different than Parker Palmer is I just really believe like the spirit of Jesus lives within us if we're Christians. Open ourselves up to that to kind of be open to what our life and the spirit's work in our life is telling us. You know, instead of like this great quest at times and the pressure You know, one of the things I think that's beautifully drawn out of this is could we open up our lives in where they're going and see in and through that how God is moving and working. I put it like this. Vocation is basically this. Vocation is what you can't go on without doing. Vocation is what you cannot in your context, go on without doing. It's like a musician who cannot go on without creating music or a builder who just has to build stuff. Or the writer who cannot go on without sharing their craft with the world, right? It is this embodied thing in which we live out uh, in the work in which the Spirit's doing within us. Now, some of you are sitting here, you're great evangelical kids, and maybe there's like a little bit of like alarms going off here around this talk because... 
You know, and this happens all, this has happened every time I've talked on vocation, and I very much welcome this. People will push back a little. One, is this biblical? But two, people will say to me, you know, I have a, you know, what about the general kind of calling that we have? Like, people will throw it back in my place. You want to talk about individual calling and all that? You know, like, doesn't Jesus say some things to us about our calling? And the answer to that is, absolutely, heck yes, there's some things in, our, in the scriptures that obviously call us. The word kaleo is used all over the place. I want you to assume here this morning, I'm not talking as much about general calling as personal vocation. Does that make sense? You follow me? So let's just, just so we're clear, there are a few things that we are generally called to. I'm assuming if you're a follower of Jesus, there's a few things. One is to be a disciple or apprentice of Jesus. There's a calling all of us embody within that. I would also say the great commandment to love God and to love others is a vocation or calling by the Spirit through Jesus for all of us. Just nod your head with me. I think you know this, right? Like there's a gen obviously a general calling to that. There's also the Great Commission to take the good news everywhere and help other humans kind of come into relationship with God. This is a calling for each and every single, a general calling for each and every single one of us in this room. And so, booyakasha, there's my karate chop back on some of the pushback on this a little bit. But here's my thing. I have sensed a little bit that that can all be true, right? Like all of that can be true. Great commission, great commandment, disciple of Jesus, rah, rah, kush, kamba. This is what we say, right? Like this is, this is what we say every time, right? This is our vocation. This is our calling. But I, I've noticed in my involvement in the church over the years that when there's personal calling that lacks, the general calling doesn't typically happen, Right? So there's a guy came up uh, after this teaching I did several years ago in our church, and he was always kind of on the case of like, is this biblical, and just kind of pushing back, and I just got thinking, that was a person who was very conflicted in their own calling, and so they would say things like to me like, our, our, our calling, our vocation is the great commandment, and one day I got a little snarky, and I asked back to him, how's that going for you? <laughs> and he just kind of sat there, right? Like how's, yes, we're meant to be biblical in the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, but I guess my question today, and I love y'all, maybe I'm speaking to myself, is how is that going for us? I actually think when we dial into the personal calling and vocation, where we are unique and wired in a certain way, right? And we're called to join in and taking the creation project forward like we've been talking about. When we dial into that and get that sorted, the general calling tends to unfold, right? It tends to happen. Some of us are, feel, we feel the struggle and tension, like we think like, oh, the great commandment or the great commission, and then you think about the great commission, you're like, I haven't really told anybody about Jesus. Or well, you put a time frame on that. I wonder if that's because sometimes we struggle to understand the personal calling of, and vocation of where we are. Make sense? So certainly we have this general calling, but you and I, I really believe, have to find ways in which we move towards taking the creation project forward in the calling and vocation that we have. Now, 
I wasn't going to look at the screen, but it's not there. <laughs> it's over here. Uh, Kev already threw it up. This has been the tension, and this has been my own wrestling. This is not rocket science. This is like, you know, 2017 um, Photoshop block art, okay? This is not anything mind-blowing. But I think this helps create a little bit of a picture around vocation that can help us. Because some of you are sitting in the room, and you're like, dude, if you knew what I did 9 to 5... Like, this is just not my calling. And I would say, that's okay. The tension we live in, and this is why we wanted to create the layers early on, that work is good, but it's also marred, is to remind us that some of us are in the room. We're, in, we're, we're not, what we do during the day, nine to five, may not be our full calling and vocation. The world is marred, and our relationship with the ground is under the curse, just as a reminder. And so this is how it is. This is reality. Humans are good. The creation is good. Work is good. Humans are broken. The creation is broken. Work is broken. And so some of you, we could bring you up here and just like let you go on some, honestly, the crappy stuff you have to do at this current time. We also live in the tension, and I think Paul is really actually onto something when he says this, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, What's that like? He says it's, that person has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Boom, goes the dynamite. Just drop the mic there, I guess. So there's the tension of like, here Drew is talking about calling and vocation. We're going to talk about kind of what's in you and what you're good at and the things that you could cultivate in your own life. And then the reality is we're living in unprecedented inflation some of you maybe are trying to find homes and, and places to live and all that stuff and trying to provide. And listen, I have four young mouths that I have to feed as well. And I understand it. And as they get older, it's just, yeah, going to the grocery store is depressing. Anybody with me? It's just like this. Dep- we don't even want to go anymore just because we know like you can't just walk in there, right? So I get it. And I think the tension is, is we need to live in the reality that sometimes we do work in certain environments that don't necessarily feel all the time like vocation, but provision is important. I'm not, I'm not naive. I know in a broken world there are crappy jobs. I also know that for many of us right now, we are, what we're called to do is not what we do to support our families. And there's tension in that, right? Tension in that. And so we want to kind of Good, good, quiet, perfect, yeah, it's great. Um, There is tension here in just wanting to kind of make those things kind of work together. You know, I saw this week, uh, somebody, or a a, a little while ago, somebody said, a musician is someone who loads $5,000 worth of gear into their $500 car to drive 100 miles for a $50 gig, right? And so this is just... (laughs) Some people in the back are like, this is my life sometimes. I feel like this, it's good. Um... Right? So there is this tension that like the the vocational side and the calling doesn't always line up. So many of us, what we do nine to five is not really what we're going to fully do maybe for our calling. So that sometimes is the pushback. The other pushback is that only rich people talk about calling or talk about vocation like this, right? The pushback a little is if you just think about the world context, most of our brothers and sisters around the world don't maybe get to have the type of conversation that we're having here around like following some of the dreams within us and all of that. 
um, because there is a survival mode in which people are trying to obviously provide for their families in a very broken world. I get all of that. I get all of that. But I guess in all of this, I'm just here to ask, what are we called to do? What are you called to do? I think this is a helpful picture. For some of us, our vocation, what we can't go on without doing, is active and alive right now. And then there's the necessity to provide for our families, which is very, very important. And the reality is, if we can work to a place in space where those things overlap, I would just personally call that a vocational career, a, a career that's embedded in our calling. And if we can get to that space, it's a beautiful space to live in, right? All of us have one shot at this thing, one life, you know, certain amount of years. And I think instead of, again, the tension of obviously providing for our families, but working towards these things overlapping can be a beautiful thing. And this means all sorts of things. We've had people in our community that have turned down all sorts of lucrative things to do their calling. They're actually making less money and trying to find ways to provide for their families in the ebb and flow of that. And there's something beautiful and commendable about that. But I do think this is a journey for all of us. Some of us live in this space, others do not. But one of the goals is, is just, especially with some of us that are maybe younger in this room, is just thinking about how can I see these types of things interact, intersect, and overlap? to get to a place where my vocation could be the place where I also provide. Make sense? Make sense? Both of these things are important and something to think about. Now, I'm um, a little hesitant at, at times to do this, but as we wind down, I think it's important um, to put this before us, to put the, the reality of calling in front of us, to stir that pot a little bit, but, you know, I also have my own journey in this over the last couple of years, which is a very, very unique kind of space for me. And I don't talk about this a lot, nor will I, but I've been on my own journey the last few years in kind of sorting some things out in my own life, in my own, um, my own transition to a, a particular type of vocation. And in the process, maybe it would be helpful, you know, my own journey for you to think through. There was a few things that as the pot was, at least my heart was stirring towards uh, moving towards counseling and psychology. And, you know, as you think about, and especially some of you guys that are younger, I think these are wonderful things to think about. You know, as Palmer said, sometimes there's a hum or there's a rhythm in our lives of what our life is speaking. And in my own journey, there was really three things that um, came to the surface for me kind of in some of the changes for me personally. One was, I think all of us need to think through like how we're wired, right? We don't give enough attention sometimes to how you and I are actually wired. So obviously been in pastoral vocation full-time for since 2004 or whatever. And I don't know if it's a crisis over the last few years for me, but just seeing some of the things that I am not good at and trying to kind of put a square peg in a round hole. And so as I was discovering new opportunities for vocation, one of the things that I was just asking questions about is how am I wired? What fits? You know, one of the things for me is I realize over time that I am not good at building big teams. 
I'm not good at that at all. I'm not good at things like administration and some of the things day to day. And just came kind of full into the reality of this. And one of the things that opened up for me was as I was looking at this particular vocation was the fact that it was independent. It was actually something that fueled me. I realized over time, and that this is not a good thing, trust me, I'm in therapy for this. I am a kind of a rogue worker at times, a very independent worker. I have two degrees that are fully online where I just got to sit at night and type at a computer and nobody bothered me except for the four other, five other humans, you two, Heather, five other humans that lived with me, right? So over time, just realized that like there was something that spurred me on and fueled my life about independent work. Some of you are not like that at all. Some of you right now, the energy comes from a team and connection and working together and meetings, and you are amazing. You are amazing, right? We all have these different ways in which we're wired. So for me, it was like this opportunity. This is, this is independent. I can put my life into something, and it's independent. Two, it helped people. Obviously, taking the creation project forward. Some of us around our vocation do what you do with your life and with your hands and what you're going to put your energy and time into is it going to help take the world forward? All of us need to ask that question. It, asks, it begs the question, are there bad jobs? We haven't talked about this, but yes, there are bad jobs. There are, there are destructive jobs, and we don't have as much time to talk about that today. There are jobs that don't take the creation project forward, but inhibit the creation project and actually cause destruction, and we need to ask questions about that. So for me, it was like, is, is it, this fuels on a little bit of independence, it helps people, and for me, the intellectual side of counseling psychology was the thing as well that drew me kind of into this space. Some of you guys know that I was kind of on a trajectory towards a PhD in theology and just over time realized that this particular vocation could be a place where the intellectual side that I need so bad would actually be fueled week in and week out with interventions, with reading, with seminars, with a collaboration in many ways, it was just like, okay, this, this fits who I am. For some of you, reading, collaborate, at the end of the day, you just like want to shut it off, and that is amazing. This, the, the difference between Heather and myself is, this is one of the differences in like our work, is I need something intellectual to fuel me forward and taking the creation project forward. She doesn't necessarily need that, and that's beautiful. We're, we're all wired differently. And so I guess two things kind of come out of this. Like, what fits you in how you're wired is a huge part of moving towards vocation. And what are you good at? Right? Oh, that's so unspiritual. Like, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit. When we talk about the body in a few weeks, we're, gonna, we're just trying to break down this secular, sacred kind of divide and this thing, I'm just tired of Christians talking about things we like to do as though that's negative. Is anybody out there? Um, and I get it. I know we all seek pleasure in different ways, and some of that needs to be confronted. But I actually really think God doesn't just love you. He likes you. And I also think God actually really wants, in many ways, for you to work and move in a vocation. Again, sometimes that'll be paid. Sometimes it won't be and work in spaces in things you like to do. And again, our telos, our trajectory, is not to go to some place and sing Amazing Grace for 10,000 years. 
It is to work and to play and to move and to worship Jesus in everything, to live in a world that's renewed, where I, I really believe many of us, what we're putting our hands to, think about the curse being lifted and what we get to do. My goodness, start now. God actually, for most of us, I think if it's in the right direction, really, um, I think God, as he's molding and shaping us, wants us to flow and function in some of the things that we're good at and some of the things we love and enjoy. We don't have to make excuses for that. I hear a lot of idle talk, and I get it. Things can become idols. But maybe part of the issue is, like the guy kind of pushing back on the vocation talk is, the general calling stuff isn't really happening because we're not dialing into what we've been wired to do specifically. You out there? So for some of us in this place, it's, it's a little bit of discovery around this. So some of us maybe even need to start to move towards things that one, we're good at, we have giftings in, and two, fits the way we're wired to see if there's the possibility of entering into a vocational type of career. So I'm pretty close to somebody who does real estate and, um, <laughs> and to watch, you know, it's so funny to watch that journey a little bit because the person I know that does real estate really kind of went into it um, and I love this. If I make money at this, this is great, wonderful, hey. But there was such a love and a passion for this particular kind of vocation in life that this person was doing it even before like they were accredited. And I don't mean they were selling houses. I just mean they were in on the design and helping people and yeah, that would be bad. Don't do that, okay? And I remember, you know, just uh, talking to this person and just about the reality, like, yeah, sometimes money comes with our vocations, but I think for some of us in this room, the posture could be, I'm going to do this no matter what, and if this kind of door opens up, amazing. And so sometimes it's actually starting to do things now in the here and now that fit the calling. What is your life speaking? Or that's how Paul, Parker Palmer would say it. I would say, it, how, what's the spirit doing around what fits you and what's, what you enjoy? to see the creation project go forward, to do good in the world, to let this be the primary form of worship. And so for some of you, you just got to almost take that step. There may be no money attached for a long time. That's okay. That's okay. I know people in this community that have all sorts of dreams that they're moving towards, and there isn't a cent attached to it yet, and that is okay. And so I just want us to think about vocation and calling through that lens. What are you good at? What's cultivated? What's happening in your life? What fits you with the way that you're wired? You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, he worked. He worked. So he led these communities that he planted, and he wrote letters back to them, and in a sense had authority over them in many ways as the leader, and yet he worked. And there was two primary reasons why he worked. One is because he didn't want to be a burden on the community. We're talking about, in many ways, in the ancient Mesopotamia, in these communities that are just starting with very little money attached. The Roman Empire was a stratosphere of really rich people, but then, for the most part, we know in churches, it, these church communities, people coming to Jesus, very, very poor. And so Paul didn't want to be a burden to them. He said, I'm not just bringing the gospel, I'm bringing my life, and I worked so that I would not be a burden to you. The other, the other component to his life was, I'm going to work because it opened up doors 
to greater mission for him, right? And there's actually a lot of research, and I've just been reading about his own life as a tent maker, that the interactions that Paul would have that would be opened up for his life to, to rub shoulders with people in the ancient Mesopotamian was tremendous. It wasn't just a church, hey, like I'm a leader in the church thing. There was a sense where doors opened for him where he was able to connect on mission with other people. And this is why I'm bought in to however you want to frame it, the co-vocational or multivocational space that we're kind of entering into is it can be really beautiful because one, this doesn't have to be a burden, and two, it opens up greater opportunity for mission. I'm just going to be honest. I'm tired. I've got to be careful. I'm a little weary of hearing pastor dudes and people talk about being on mission, and yet they have no connection to anybody outside of the church. That's, that's, that's bothersome for me. And, you know, even in my own story, and I know this will be kind of the last I'm going to talk about my own story, but my own journey into, like, seeing co-vocation or multivocation was, for Heather and I, was partly because we met a lot of pastors who would literally say to us, we're only here because we get paid. I had two people in the last three years basically say to me, I do what I do, just not because I want to be here, but because I get a paycheck. So that grates a little bit. Anybody with me? Are you out there? That grates, you know, we hear that and we're just like, we want to be the antithesis of that. The other side for us in this kind of this move was the fact that we met a lot of parishioners a lot of people who go to or were going to church just simply give up and walk away. And that's shaped me in this whole vocational thing too because we just sensed over time we don't want to have to be here for a certain reason. We want to be here because we want to be here. And as we saw many friends just kind of like continually walk away from the church, we wanted to create space in our own calling to say we're, we're in on this thing, not because we're paid to be here. We want to be here. Imagine a church filled with people on vocation, doing the work, funding the ministry here. The, the budget's really small here. I mean, if we all joined in on this thing and funded the ministry here, it, the, the, the potential is limitless. And so for some of us, we just need to, again, think through one, what is the Spirit saying? What is the work of the Spirit saying? And how is that connected to one, what are you good at? Do an audit of your skills, the things you're, you're drawn to. And two, how, moving towards something that fits you. Gifts, talents, abilities, certainly, but also interest in how you want to give your life. I know this is a journey. I know we're all not here. But just something to consider just like Jesus said no to some things for some of us in this room, maybe this is a time and even a morning where it just maybe, maybe the, the, the best thing that comes from the next couple minutes as we come to the tables and reflect through worship is just you know what you need to say no to. I'm not telling you to quit your job by any means. But for some of you, maybe you've never sat in a church that actually talked about like the thing you do with your life every single day. Maybe for some of you, just need this is the, the poking, the prodding a little bit of like, am I where I should be? Am I using my God-given gifts where I should be? Am I listening to what my life is speaking? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would uh, come and invade the space right now. God, we know you're here among us.
And I just pray that as we worship, as we come to the table and think about your work, your broken body, your blood that was poured out for us, that you would also, through this, God, continue to open up and reveal your calling for our lives. Yes, the Great Commission, obviously, to go into the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples, the Great Commandment to love our brothers and sisters, the people around us in this world with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love you with everything. But God, for some of us this morning, maybe it's just the slow, subtle call of what you want us to do with our lives. May that, God, be something that in return fuels a life of calling to do those things, to be a disciple, to share your love. Do your subtle work this morning. Open up our hearts and our lives. As we come to the table, may it be a reminder, God, of what you've done for us. Pray these things in your name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen.